Hello and welcome again back to episode 20 of the Mr. Burgess Massive Podcast. I should have like a little celebration really, like maybe a cake or uh, some poppers, but um, yeah, episode 20. Who would have thought that we'd get to 20 episodes? I was starting to think, oh, maybe no one's listening and uh, maybe not many people are out there. And then I, I've just been in school today, so shout out to everyone in school. And uh, yeah, no, loads of people are listening still, so uh, keep it going. It's nice to hear from you. So if you do want to get in touch, uh, make sure you email me, Google Classroom, uh, or uh, hashtag Mr. Burgess Maths on Twitter. Um, but it's really nice to hear from you all. Um, it's really lovely. So keep it up. Um, episode 20. Yeah. Oh, I definitely could not have imagined this when we started lockdown. Um, and who knows how long this might ever continue on for. Um, but I think I'm just going to keep going at the moment. Maybe not quite as regularly. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good fun. Right. Um, so my day has mostly consisted of being in school today. So uh, yeah, it's been an exciting day being back into uh, this whole thing again. And I was not quite enjoying to get up and do a load of ironing this morning. That felt a bit alien. Like who ever thought of an iron? Uh, definitely needs to be shot like i know it makes clothes look better but if everyone didn't iron anything then no one would care but uh, uh, there we go we all have to iron still um so yeah that was not fun and then poor car this morning um so the first time it's been driven in three weeks uh it did not sound healthy this morning when i turned it over um and uh it yeah needed a lot of revving so it had a little uh Run along the motorway, so uh, it's uh, sounding a lot better. But I was starting to get a bit concerned when I turned it on. I was like, "Yep." I mean, it's been there sat there for so long that I did actually have to weed it the other day um, and pull a few weeds out the car door. Genuinely true as well. That's not even a joke. Um, so uh, it feels a bit weird suddenly driving again. Thankfully, it's one of those skills that you don't actually. A bit like riding a bike, uh, you can't actually forget once you've uh, built it into you. Um, so. Thankfully, it's all all right. Although, it's starting to feel a lot busier out there when I'm on the roads. Suddenly, I was almost came across a little bit of a traffic jam outside school. I was like, this is weird. Like, Who would have thought that this would exist in lockdown? Uh, a lot of people who don't think that lockdown is still should be in place. So, uh, make sure you stay inside, everyone. Um, lockdown is still there uh, for a reason as well. Um, so, yeah, it's been a nice day, nice sunny day. We're about to, I've just done a little uh, recording with um, one of my friends uh, doing a little interview um, for something that she's doing, um, which is nice and fun. And uh, I think it's just going to be, right, getting the hot tub time in a minute. Um, so go for a walk and go for a hot tub, I think, tonight. Um, I did, a, I burnt a load of stuff last night. I had a bit of a bonfire at home, which was really exciting. I thought, ah, oh, it's fine. I can, I bought myself a little incinerator thing um, to burn some old, um, fence panels so one of the first things i did in lockdown was get some fence panels ordered which i did very quickly so they did actually arrive um and refence the garden um which is hard for when you're on your own but it's doable i can testify to that you can do it you can slide them in um by themselves they're only four foot so it's fine and um, not six foot fence panels that would be a bit harder work um but of course, we've got to get rid of the old ones with all the like tips not open and stuff. And when they are open, it's keyed out the door. So I decided that I was going to ban them in the garden on one part of the veg patch uh, that hasn't been planted yet. And uh, so I was like, yeah, no, last night I was like, right, OK, I can do this. Everyone's it's not that warm outside. So no one's sat outside. No one's got any washing out. Um, so I could burn them thinking seven to get through. That's all I had to get through. And uh, yeah, I got through three and a half. Um it took me ages. It takes ages for things to burn. Um, and like, yeah. Uh, so 
by the end I was like, I'm just bored of ripping up bits of wood. Um, so I've still got to go and do that again at some point this weekend, which is not great. Um, but it's a bank holiday weekend coming up, so uh, it's exciting. Um, I'm quite excited. So as you know, I'm a bit of a Tailenders fan. Uh, so I've been listening to um, a Tailenders podcast. Um, but uh, I actually had a message from Felix White actually this week, which is quite exciting. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I got really excited about that. I was just like, ooh, someone DM'd me. Ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah, way too excited. Uh, way too overexcited about it. Um, about so having another score along. So hopefully, I think I might be doing a bit of a 2005 Ashes test on Sky and TMS this weekend, if any of you are cricket fans out there. Um, and uh, that's what I'm going to be doing and watching that, I think, this weekend and listening to that. Um, it should be nice and fun. Just something to do. So uh, keep it going. And uh, so I did it DM uh, Felix White and ask about the score along, and he shockingly replied instantly, which is a bit weird when a celeb replies instantly to your message. I'm thinking, surely he's got like lost in loads of things. Um, and most of you are probably thinking, who the heck is Felix White? Look him up. They're a really good band called the Maccabees. Um, so a good indie band from the uh, early 2000s, late mid to 20s, noughties, uh, something like that. Anyway, late no- late noughties. Um, and uh, yeah, really good band. So look them up. Good indie band. So um, today I was writing a podcast and uh, kind of doing my research in school today. So some of the people uh, that are getting shout outs might know some of this stuff. Um, so we're kind of looking at kind of um, the Renaissance period of mathematicians. And so I'm trying to look at some different mathematicians who you might overthink about as being a mathematician, but actually advanced maths in a certain way. Um, that might be a bit surprising. Um, and so one of those today is a guy called Robert Hooke. Um, and it's with an E, so not Captain Hooke, but Captain Hooke. Um, uh, Robert Hooke, who was born in uh, 1635 and died in 1703. Um, and he was a kind of unusual character, like someone who um, was a bit slightly bit different. As, as we've discovered, kind of a lot of the mathematicians have had interesting uh, education and brought up in different ways. Um, and Robert Hooke is no different. Kind of his story is that he was born uh, in Freshwater in the Isle of Wight. His father was the uh, vicar there in the, uh, Freshwater. Uh, he was something slightly different, a cure, I think, because of some weird thing within the church. Um, and uh, so he was brought up in the Isle of Wight. Um, and his father and all his uncles were all uh, brought up and brought up in the church. So they were all vicars um, across various different places. Um, and so the whole family was brought up that they should just go into the church, um, which was common at the time. Um, certain families all went into the church. But um, Robert Hooke was a bit ill as a child. And we don't really know exactly what he was ill with but we know that he was sickly as a child um, and they thought he would never actually get into adulthood um, there's talk about him having um, headaches um, probably migraines um, but there's not a huge amount known about his childhood but we know that he was sickly and that he uh, couldn't really do his education so he wasn't sent off to uh, school instead he was educated at home um, and kind of left to his own devices a little bit of kind of his education wasn't really kind of um, thought about so they just kind of left him to it and he started to discover things for himself and he started to research stuff and get interested in maths um so he didn't really kind of have any formal education that we would know about like today um and then his father died and at that point when his father died he got left a sum of money of 40 pounds 
Um, and he got sent uh, off to London to learn how to be an artist and paint portraits. Um, and whilst there, he realised that that was not his calling uh, to paint portraits. He got some good studies from it and, you know, had very good tutors, but it was not his thing. So up in London, he decided that he would go and get himself an education. And so he decided to use the money to buy an education. And so he went to Westminster School. Um, where uh, now what I'm confused about is how old he must have been at this point because he mustn't have been that old to suddenly be sent up to London by himself uh, to go and learn portrait uh, to go back into school like surely like, you're not going to have this suddenly middle-aged man suddenly walk into school and go I need an education um, but anyway he went into school um, and he actually boarded with the head teacher can you imagine that just turning up to school and going i want to be an education i want to pay you and by the way i'm coming to live with you um not your normal kind of tenant is it or your normal kind of landlord your head teacher that's weird um so uh yeah suddenly the head teacher is is uh not just his head teacher but also he lived with him as well weird um so hook then started his education but they quickly discovered whilst he was at school that he didn't learn in the same way as all the other students so he didn't really take to uh, lectures um, which would have been the common way of being taught um, so he would just be left to go to the library by himself and so he's kind of carried on his self-teaching um, and so he was monitored but he kind of just carried on doing his self-teaching in the library of the school um, and he got to the point where he realized that the school wasn't going to teach him anymore so there's no kind of GCSEs, A-levels at this point. Like there's no formal education in that way, uh, or certificates to say of leaving. But he, he decided he was done. He was, he'd kind of learned enough. And so at that point, he went off to Oxford uh, to, try, uh, to join Oxford University. And whilst he was there, he kind of got into a group of um, people called the Oxford branch um, and it was a group of people who had kind of moved up from London and formed this like society but wasn't a college but uh, of the university but was kind of a thinking group of people um, and there was people in there called uh, people like Robert Boyle, uh, William Petty, uh, Christopher Wren who we know who built uh, St Paul's Cathedral um, so there was some big hitters that were around in this time and he was associated with them so a bit younger but he was associated with them and he kind of started to get an education from them and so in the talks and things he would he would get learn a lot of things and so it's said of him that although he left without a degree he got a degree much more uh were bigger than any other degrees um so he didn't actually get his bachelor's degree uh from oxford but he did get an awful lot of knowledge that was built uh, coming from a lot of other people um and that kind of paid dividends kind of later on in his life so Boyle started to employ him um, and he uh, started to work, Hook started to work in engineering and started to came up with um, a much better air pump. Now, what I was surprised about when I was researching Hook is that you'd think air pumps, you know, not very glamorous, but, uh, you know, they just pump air. Like, yeah, well done. Um, but they kind of developed over time. So if you've got your classic kind of pumps that you've got for your airbed, and you know just bellows really but you can build pumps that are much more sophisticated and that's what uh hook did um now he did this for Boyle, but hook's air pumps are still kind of the standard today like two two three hundred years later kind of hook's pumps are still around um and it's kind of his design is still around um 
And then he started to turn his uh, attention to what's called the longitudinal problem. Now, the longitudinal problem was quite an important uh, problem uh, in maths and in uh, navigation. And there was a big prize for it in uh, the country. Um, if you've ever been to a Greenwich um, Observatory, um, there's lots of information there about it. Um, and you can see some of the clocks that were used. Now, the whole problem was, was how do you tell whereabouts you are on the Earth? Um, and that's quite important if you're sailing a ship halfway around the world to know exactly where you are so you don't crash your ship on a load of rocks or you're at least going in the right direction. Um, now, it's fine, easy enough to work out your latitude, and that's the ones that go round the Earth in kind of horizontally, if you look at a map. They're the uh, horizontal ones, like the equator. And that's easy enough to do because you can do it from the position of the sun or you can do it from the position of the stars, from Polaris, the uh, North Star. And so you can work out how far up or down you are uh, depending on where the sun is in the sky and the time of year. So you, as long as you know what day it is, you can kind of work out your latitude. The problem was the longitudinal, and that's the one that goes through like Greenwich and goes down the earth, up and down the earth. And the problem with that is that you don't know how far east or west you are because of the Earth's rotation, really. Um, and so you have to know what time of day it is there and what time of day it is at some other fixed point. So if we know what time of day it is at Greenwich, and this is where the Greenwich Meridian comes in, uh, the uh, if you know when noon is at Greenwich and you can work out when noon is for yourself, you can work out what the time difference is and that will tell you how far east or west you are. And that's called the longitudinal problem. And once you know how far east or west you are, you can then find out your position on the map. Now, that seems easy enough if you know what time it is at Greenwich and what time it is there. Problem is, you need to have a clock that's going to keep count very accurately of what time it is at Greenwich. So it's going to keep time. So it's not going to slow down, it's not going to get faster, um, and it's going to just keep the time at Greenwich consistent. So that when you sail around the world, you've got a time uh, from Greenwich that you carry with you all the time. Because otherwise you don't actually know what time it is at Greenwich. Um, and the problem was, you didn't really have portable clocks at the time. So the longitudinal problem had a massive prize for it because of this issue. Um, one of the problems was that most clocks at the time had pendulums. So the way that it would operate would be through a little pendulum that would swing... And there was lots of investigation by mathematicians about uh, the pendulum swing and how you could keep different sized pendulums and uh, different orbits of the pendulum would keep better times um, and would keep the second hand kind of ticking over. What Hooke did that was revolutionary is that he said, well, instead of having a pendulum, how about if you had a spring? Now, this is very, very out there kind of thinking. Kind of, How do you put a spring into it instead of putting a pendulum there? Would it work? Um, and this led to Hooke creating one of his uh, most famous laws. So uh, he's very famous as a scientist in uh, physics and things. Um, and you'll probably know him from your physics lessons from Hooke's law. Um, and Hooke's law is the law of elasticity. Um, and it kind of tells you about springs, about how much they uh, spring back. Um, so it's still named after him but, but he was doing this because he noticed the thing the phenomenons that he spotted when he was trying to create his clock now 
he managed to get his clock sorted and he applied for a, and he should at this point have become really rich because he's got a clock that can keep time much better um, it's not perfect but it's, it's much much better um, and uh, he should have been able to make a lot of fortune out of this and so he applied for a patent on it but the problem was and this would have made him a lot of money the problem was is that he realized that if someone develops something better that they could uh, take royalties from his uh, patent so instead of letting other people make some money out of it he decided he wasn't going to patent, patent it at all um, and so he kind of learned, learned absolutely nothing from it absolute genius um, so uh, uh, yeah weird but um, the kind of whole political realm was about to massively change and so at this point um, the same year uh, Oliver Cromwell dies so uh, the whole English Civil War had happened uh, Oliver Cromwell had been um, made Lord Protector of England uh, they'd beheaded uh, King Charles I and so England was with Parliament sitting in with uh, Oliver Cromwell's Lord Protector but o Oliver Cromwell dies and his son takes over but the problem is, is the son is not as good as the dad and uh, it's a bit rubbish so in the end they uh, get an army sent down from Scotland and uh, demand a new parliament is elected and this parliament is full of royalists um, and uh, yeah so the restoration of the monarchy happens if you want to listen to more of this uh, there's a really good um, history at home podcast on BBC Sounds uh, from um, a guy called uh, Chris Jenner I think it is who does the horrible history so uh, definitely check that one out um, uh, about the restoration as well and yeah so at this point the restoration is sort of happening and instead of uh, staying in Oxford the whole Oxford group moved back to London and they st formed a society now because they were friends with King Charles II um, they actually got a royal charter for this society so it started off just as a society of philosophical thinking um, but they got a royal, uh, a royal charter for it and so it became the Royal Society. Now, if the Royal Society still exists to this day, um, and it is in London, it's in Piccadilly. I've been there. It's amazing. Like the lecture theatre is really cool. Um, so the Royal Society is still there, and uh, it's still one of the preeminent kind of um, institutions of the UK um, in terms of scientific thinking. And Hook becomes a member of the f formation of the Royal Society and so people like Christopher Wren is there uh, Sir Isaac Newton is there um, and so he becomes um, one of the founding members and part of their formation is that they say that they need to have a curator of experiments amazing title curator of experiments and they all decide that none of them want to do it because part of the, uh, re the writing of the rules around uh, the Royal Society was that they said that they uh, the curator of experiments should do uh, be charged with doing three or four demonstrations of experiments per lecture that was taking place in there and they were like but none of us can keep pace with that we've got to do loads of new thinking constantly and come up with loads of new ideas constantly and create an experiment for it um oh i know who does loads of experiments and doesn't really do a lot of thinking um or deeper thinking robert hook so they make robert hook the creator of experiments and he came up with lots and lots of new ideas. The problem was this that he never really kind of developed his thinking 
in any area. So he kind of came up with lots and lots of new ideas. Um, and one of those ideas was one of the big bits of maths, really, and astronomy that brings together. And that's uh, the inverse square law on gravitation. Um, and the inverse square law means that instead of um, planets moving in a circular orbit around the sun or things moving in a circular orbit, they move in an elliptical order, orbit, so a slightly squash circle um, around a ma major body. So that changed kind of the thinking as to why certain planets moved in certain ways across the sky. Um, that led to Newton's um, uh, gravitational kind of uh, ideas and fed into Newton's gravitational ideas in his Principia. But Hooke and Newton had a massive falling out. Now, Newton is not the guy to have a falling out with, as we know. Kind of, He's the preeminent kind of guy in British mathematics, uh, British science. At the time, he's the big dog. He's the big cheese. Um, and Hooke had a massive falling out with him. Um, to the point where Newton removed all mentions of uh, Hooke from his Principia, uh, Principia. That's how I should say it. I, I can never know how to say it. I'm not very good at Latin. Um, so Newton's big body of work that introduced uh, calculus, introduced uh, gravity, was the Principia. Um, or Principia. Yeah, there we go. That's the right book. Um, and uh, he uh, removed all references to Hooke from it out of spite, really, for Hooke saying that he came up with some of the ideas. Um, although it is probably true that Hooke came up with quite a huge chunk of it. Um, so he kind of then had to just carry on with kind of what he was doing at Hook. Um, but thankfully, he still remained friends with some influential people. One of those people being Sir Christopher Wren, who wasn't nice at the time, it was just Christopher Wren. Um, now, Christopher Wren had been around um, and was friends with the king, King Charles II. And the Great Fire of London happened in 1666. Um, at that point, the decision was made to um, rebuild London. So St Paul's Cathedral had been burnt down, um, most of the city of London had been burnt down, and so the decision was made that they were going to rebuild it. Um, there was lots of uh, designs for it, um, and Sir Christopher Rand was one of those people that was chosen to be the architect of the rebuilding of London. So St Paul's Cathedral now that we know was built by Sir Christopher Rand, who was the architect. But we don't remember some of the other people, and one of those people was Robert Hooke. And Robert Hooke was the uh, city surveyor, and he was in charge uh, with build, rebuilding it with Sir Christopher Wren um, and afterwards. Um, and so he was very instrumental in how London looks today and how London is set out um, because of Robert Hooke. So there we go. Robert Hooke, guy who kind of did lots of things, came up with a few laws, but actually probably just did a lot of experiments and showed other people a lot of thinking. Um, so there we go. Uh, nice to uh, hear about Robert Hooke today. Uh, a few shout outs uh, to end with. So um, uh, a few from school today. So Grace, Mackenzie, Matt, Neil, uh, Luke and uh, Kelsey. So shout out to all of you. You all wanted to shout out whilst I was in work today. Uh, so shout out to you. Hope you are all doing well and actually get on with your work, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, apparently I was really rude about Matt's haircut last time, so it has grown back, so it does look better, Matt. Um, so at least you're all listening. 
And I uh, hope you all have a wonderful day. Uh, hopefully you get on the podcast tomorrow and catch up with you all. Um, if not, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, no, I'll do a podcast tomorrow. I'll do a podcast tomorrow. Um, I might not do it over the weekend, though, because the cricket will be on and I'll be sat there with a score chart. Yeah. Right. Have a lovely weekend. Uh, have a lovely day. And I'll chat to you all soon. Bye-bye.